0: There is a staggering amount of innovation happening in blueberries and we tried to cover as much of it as we could during the tech symposium recently in Salem, Oregon.
1: This can't just be a one fit for big guys or little guys or anything. And so it became important for us to really look at what you do at the farm, how the production flow works from the spring through the fall and try to follow that a little bit Find companies that we can intersperse and show at each and every major aspect of what you do in the farm to get your blueberry crop in. We can find technology firms to impact in those various areas.
0: In today's episode, we will share a few highlights from the recent tech symposium that will touch on genetics, disease management, pruning, pollination, harvest, sustainability, and traceability. This is an episode you won't want to miss.
1: The blueberry industry is like no other passionate, resilient, and innovative. This podcast is your source for the latest information on the management, markets, research, and technology related to blueberry production. This is the business of blueberries. Here's your host, President of the U.S. High Bush Blueberry Council, Casey Cronquist.
0: Welcome back to another episode of The Business of Blueberries, the only podcast dedicated exclusively to the blueberry industry. The USHBC and ABC Tech Symposium and Fall Meetings are behind us, and what an incredible week filled with great people, valuable information, and productive conversations. Over 400 people were registered for our event, but for those of you who weren't able to attend Tuesday's Tech Symposium, we thought it would be appropriate to dedicate today's episode to providing a bit of a recap from that day. Now let's be fair, it's difficult to condense nine hours of presentations and information into just 30 minutes, but we're gonna do our best to give you a sense of those innovations that we did feature. If anything in particular catches your attention during today's episode, I do encourage you to go back and check out all of the presentations we now have posted at BlueberryEvents.org. There you'll find the entire day's program there for your reference and for all of the content in its entirety. We'll include that link here in the show notes uh, on the episode today as well. One thing that I personally appreciated about the program was that we discussed innovations at every step in the blueberry value chain, from genetics, to field operations, to harvest, to post-harvest, to sustainability. There is so much happening in blueberries, and it was exciting to have so many great speakers, experts, and companies involved. We'll start today's reflections with genetics. I was able to moderate a panel titled Technology and the Consumer Experience, which included Adam Wagner, Ridley Bell, Patricio Munoz, and Paul Sandifer, who you'll hear from in today's first clip. Paul is the breeding manager at Fall Creek Farm and Nursery, and he's talking about the importance of having both public and private blueberry breeding programs.
2: A lot of what we do in the private industry and and breeding is still in direct collaboration with the public breeding programs. So if you look back at the history, Uh, And there's several in the audience who've who've worked with the public breeding programs that really set up what we do in blueberry breeding. Uh, I look back 100 years ago when breeding started and what the, the germplasm that was established by those public breeding programs, the development of that germplasm was in collaboration with growers and with nurseries. And then as they saw that material on their own farms and develop in their own specific geographies they realized you know we could take this material form relationships with those public programs and then optimize that for our specific territory and then you saw this blossoming and you see it every year more and more programs that get into the business of breeding because they see an opportunity to serve their customers and whether it's in their specific region or if it's globally uh, across the different regions and so it's still Yes, we're a private breeding program, but we work very closely with the public breeding programs and we support each other.
0: Through that collaboration of public and private breeding programs, Paul says that things are coming together. He's optimistic about the future potential for blueberry genetics, but he says there are always opportunities for improvement.
2: Very exciting. I mentioned that the first breeding programs are hundred years old. There are several that are 50 plus years old. And then Fall Creek, we've been breeding almost 25 years now. It might sound like a long time, but we're really just now at the point of pulling together all of these different traits in blueberries into a single unit. So we're just now getting incredible firmness, flavor, storability, and then ease of management. Machine harvest fresh, that's one of our main focuses. And we're finally getting that all into one package, one variety or a suite of varieties that really represent an exceptional eating experience, but you're not sacrificing the growability. It's still varieties that high yield, they don't take extensive pruning, they don't have extensive fertilizer or new demands in terms of their production, and then also they're suitable for machine harvest fresh, they can store, and they're still enjoyable when they get to the consumer. One of the biggest challenges in southern highbush is the concentration. You may pick in Mexico, for example. You may plant a single variety and pick it 20 times. You're gonna have a crew pass through 20 different times to pick that fruit. Imagine trying to machine harvest that. You're gonna run your machine 20 times through that, that field. Much. Those plants will not survive, and the fruit won't survive either. And so, they're one of the biggest targets in what we're trying to do. Is you need to concentrate that fruit down, maintain the quality without deg- degrading on the bush, and still be able to machine harvest.
0: Thank you not only to Paul, but also to Adam and Ridley and Patricio for this fantastic panel discussion. Our next clip comes from the innovation in pollination session, which included fascinating technology from Copert Biological Systems, Alumbria and Bumblebee Inc. Then we had an in-person presentation from a company that's not exactly in pollination business, but they utilize bees to transport the biological disease management product. I'm talking about bee vectoring technology. And in this next clip is Ian Collinson who spoke during the session.
3: We have a honeybee and bumblebee system, both of which we use bees to deliver biological controls to flowering plants for crop protection. The principles of both bumblebee and honeybee technology are the same. As the bees leave the hive, they'll pick up trace amounts of our product and go deliver it to the crops as they're pollinating. We have three different patent families on this technology. One is on the systems themselves, so both honeybee and bumblebee. One is on the use of our active ingredient, and the last one is on a product we call Vectorite. And Vectorite is pretty crucial. It's the actual mix that allows the active ingredients to attach to the bees, be delivered into the field at distance. And it can be formulated with other active ingredients as well. So the systems right now, we're, we're currently running with our own active ingredient, but we can put other active ingredients as well to control a variety of different diseases and pests.
0: B-Vectoring has done work in almonds, strawberries, and blueberries. This is really a unique approach to a sort of precision application that works quite literally with nature. Ian says it's not a silver bullet. It's a preventative system, but it can help with some of the important blueberry diseases.
3: So our active ingredient is Clonostacus rosea, which is a commonly found beneficial fungus. How it works is by competitive exclusion. So it'll actually live with inside that plant tissue and occupy the space so that when other diseases try and penetrate that plant tissue, we are already there occupying the space. Or if they are already there, we can kind of surround them and make sure that they don't proliferate, and ours does. Mummyberry is the, the big one for blueberries. We are preventing Botrytis as well. Yeah, I mean, there are some harsh chemicals that will knock down our So We are endophytic, we are living inside the plant. And so some of those harsher chemicals can come can, uh, and really you know, knock our uh, spore count out in the field. However, I would say that because we're daily delivering to the plant, we're actually getting out there right after you spray. So in some instances, instances we'll even suggest maybe going out with an intense chemical to you know, wipe out whatever is existing in the field and then bringing us right in right after so that you're getting our beneficial fungus out there right away. The other thing is we do have a list of chemicals that we know are quite safe or fungicides that are quite safe to be using with our product. But again, you've got, you know, in blueberries you've got six weeks of potential vectoring. So you're gonna get a lot of our product out there on a daily basis.
0: Thanks to Ian for being there in person and to all of our presenters during that pollination session. It was really fascinating. Well, we have a lot more highlights to share, but before we do, it's time for our crop report. The harvest is ramping up in South America, so here once again is your Blueberry Crop Report.
1: It's time for your Blueberry Crop Report, an update on crop conditions and markets from important blueberry growing areas. Today, you'll hear from Luis Vegas in Peru and Federico Bahia in Argentina. This was recorded on October 13th, 2021.
4: I have with me um, the information on the last uh, report from Argentina showing all the data from week 40, which was last week. Argentina shipped last week almost 2 million pounds, and that makes the accumulated volume until today 6.4 million pounds in total. Out of that, 50% went to the US, 3.2 million pounds and 2.2 million pounds went to Europe. Rest is divided in um, basically Asia, some volume in Canada. This week, growers start facing some problems or or fearing some problems with the market price, adjusting uh, forecasts and volumes uh, divided into fresh or frozen market. The expectations for Argentina were to do uh, 20 million pounds. I don't I don't know if we will reach that in fresh because a lot of growers started to fear about the market and and start to freeze some fruit. That's the, the situation in Argentina today.
5: Hey, hello, everybody. This is Luis with a crop report from Peru. Up until the end of week 40, which is the week from October 4th to October 10th, Peru has shipped a total of 247 million pounds of fresh blueberries worldwide. From this overall volume, 55% has been shipped to the U.S., 28% to Europe, 15% to China, and 3% to other destinations. During week 40, a total of 26.8 million pounds were shipped. 51% of the volume was shipped to the U.S., 13.8 million pounds, uh, this volume is expected to arrive the U.S. market between uh, the last week of October and the first week of November. Our latest forecast for for the season is we expect to grow by forty three percent in our volume worldwide. And regarding the different markets, we expect to grow by forty eight percent in our shipments to the U.S. by nineteen percent in our shipments to Europe and by 117% to our shipments to China. And finally, from the overall volume shipped this season, we expect that 9% of the volume is going to be shipped organic. So that's the report from Peru. Well, thanks
0: so much to our colleagues who take the time to participate in this report. As a reminder, you can go to the new USHBC website where you'll find our data and insight center to see more data of what's happening right now in the blueberry industry. We've made the snapshot view of the USDA data on production and price an online resource for everyone to access easily and quickly. Make sure you go to ushbc.org forward slash data to check that out. Now, back to our tech symposium highlights. This one comes from our robotics in the field session, which featured exciting work being done by Innovate Ag. The Washington Tree Fruit Research Commission Oregon State University, Gus Automation, and the voice you'll hear next, Andrew Herr from Latow Harvester. Andrew talked about their new machine, which is not a harvester, but definitely a technology that had our growers' attention.
6: At the end of the day, it's not just, hey, how much fruit did I get with my one machine and this machine versus that machine and what gets the best yield? It's like, hey, we need to all take the approach as an entire group of farmers in the blueberry community to approach it and say, hey, what else are the other areas that we're spending money, where can we make efficiencies happen? And so this approach came with our newest machine that we've just been in the field this year running, which is the power trimmer, the PT, as you'll hear it called in house. Our mission on this one was to produce highly efficient machinery, decrease labor costs, and increase farm productivity. And I think we've accomplished that with this. This is the same question. We all know the answers to this, but what are your top expenses, you know, when we sit there. As you go through the year, harvest labor has been a huge one. Okay, well that's where Latau Harvester landed for a long time. But then, pruning labor. I mean, this year alone on an R&D farm, we spent an exorbitant amount of money trying to get staff alone to prune, and then also staff who wanted to be out there in the rainy weather we have around here and everything else. And we're sitting there going, man, this is a perfect time for our PT to really be in the market.
0: Labor is certainly a big problem that is not going away. Automation was definitely a theme throughout the day from pruning to spraying to harvesting to sorting. And that's what's fascinating about all these problems that they're all connected. Andrew made that point clear, especially when it comes to the connection between pruning and harvesting.
6: This is the really important thing I think about this is how you configure the tunnel to match the way that you want to look at how you're going to harvest. I mean, we all know when we're out there harvesting, which is where we focus a lot of our energy on at Latau, where do you lose berries? I have every year farmers come to me and they're like, do you see those 25 berries that are sitting right behind the backside of the base of my blueberry plant? How do we capture those? That's the question that's always asked. Well, it's a combination of pruning because there's no way if you're You're going down to the stock of it, and it's this wide that I can get anything in here. It doesn't matter how smart any of us are in the world of harvesting, it's really hard to close any catcher plate inside of that. The smaller you are at the base, the more fruit you're gonna capture. And that was kind of one of the big things we were talking about here is how do we create this angle that allows us to, in a quicker way, prune to get that close to happen so that we can, again, capture more fruit, which is how all of us make money in this industry.
0: Thank you, Andrew, and everyone who presented during the robotics in the field session. It was also fun to see Littau's equipment, as well as Monarch, Tractor, and others out there in our tech tour the following day. During lunch, we had a speaker join us to talk about a new topic for many of us in agriculture, soil carbon sequestration. Dr. Marcus Kleber is a professor at Oregon State University who defines that as a process of plants taking carbon dioxide from the air and storing it in the soil. This has happened naturally as a part of growing crops like blueberries forever. But now agriculture is being asked to start optimizing for this carbon sequestration. And incentives are starting to pop up to empower farmers to help fight climate change. Here's Dr. Kleber.
7: The Biden administration has included the enhancement of carbon sinks in agriculture as part of their target uh, of reducing U.S. greenhouse gas emissions. The state of Oregon, Governor Brown, directed uh, the Oregon Global Warming Commission to develop and submit a proposal for setting a carbon sequestration goal for Oregon. And California has done the same. So we find ourselves in a climate that is positive towards the idea of carbon sequestration. And that begs the question, where would a grower want to go in this situation so what kind of how how should i position myself if i wanted to keep all my options open so what i suggest a grower should be doing is uh, recognize and take advantage of current public interest in climate mitigation and if it is just for marketing purposes Be prepared to take such actions that strengthen soil health and sustainability and are incentivized by forthcoming, or potentially incentivized by forthcoming climate-smart agricultural programs, such as Oregon Agricultural Heritage Program. You can not really make a big mistake if you engage in activities that increase soil carbon. In the vast majority of cases, such activities will be beneficial to your plants, should give you returns, regardless of whether they are counted as carbon sequestration or not. And lastly, participate in climate smart training and technical assistance programs when offered.
0: Now it's exciting to think that our growers might start seeing rewards for the ecosystem services they're already offering while taking actions that strengthen soil health and sustainability anyway. But Dr. Kleber cautions that there are also still a lot of questions when it comes to the measurement and validation of how much carbon sequestration is actually happening.
7: But the problem here is that to date, there is not really a practical way of proving how much carbon we have actually sequestered in the soil. So, the greatest obstacle currently preventing us from implementing soil carbon sequestration measures is the lack of a robust, standardized, and affordable technology to measure soil carbon stocks. And that is not just my assessment. That is... The, the consensus among folks, even such, so Pete Smith is a modeler from England. Over many years, he has explored and, and, and promoted the idea of soil carbon sequestration. But even he has to admit, if we really want to document how much carbon we had increased between last year and this year, the cost for the associated measurements are likely going to make the the effort just not worth it.
0: Despite the caution that there are still a lot of details to work out, this area of sustainability is one to keep an eye out going forward. Okay, I have one more session from the symposium that I want to make sure we highlight. But first, let's take a short break here for our marketing boost. We'll be right back with more tech symposium highlights in a moment. But for now, here's USHBC NABC Director of Marketing and Communications, Jennifer Sparks.
8: Thanks, Casey. Here at USHBC, we serve up blueberries to a variety of audiences, consumers, health professionals, retailers, food service operators, and food manufacturers. Delivering direct messages to consumers is important, and building relationships with key folks in the other audiences is critical. But when we can't be right there in person having a conversation, what's the best representation of our message? Our website. We have to know what will resonate with our specialized audiences and what will make them see us as a true resource for all things Blueberry. That's why USHBC creates in-depth, customized landing pages that capture the attention of our specific audiences. It's not one size fits all. And once there, they need to find our pages easy to navigate with the features they expect and are used to from today's sophisticated digital marketing arena. We invite you to check out Blueberry.org. That will take you to USHBC's consumer website filled with recipes and food hacks, blueberry how-tos, and all kinds of inspiration. Go to foodprofessionals.blueberry.org to find blueberry innovations, trends, and support resources custom-tailored for retailers, food manufacturers, and food service operators. And at healthprofessionals.blueberry.org, you'll see how we provide all the research and nutrition information and materials that these health pros need to share with their patients and clients. Our online resources are going to be enhanced even more as we move into 2022, always with the goal of getting blueberries on people's radar and as part of their daily lifestyle. This has been your Marketing Boost. Thank you for your partnership, as together we inspire the world to grab a boost of blue. Casey, back to you.
0: Thanks, Jenny. Now back to the final session that we will specifically highlight on today's episode. I really wish I could highlight everything that happened at the tech symposium, but we had to somehow condense nine hours into 30 minutes. So I stuck with presenters that were there in person and represented various innovations along the blueberry value chain. So last but certainly not least, there are some fascinating technologies that are helping with our post-harvest processes. As we've discussed many times on this podcast, we need to delight blueberry consumers every time with the quality of our product. USHBC NABC Vice President of Global Business Development, Alicia Adler, hosted a session called Improvements in Fruit Quality, featuring Jeff Furness of Tomer Fresh Food, who spoke on the advancements in sorting technology, Guy Spira, Chief Commercial Officer of Consumer Physics, who spoke about their material analysis platform, and the speaker you'll hear from next, Jackson Kempker of Agrofresh, who spoke about their innovative product, Fresh Cloud Quality Inspection. So Cloud Quality
9: Inspection is a cloud-based mobile inspection service. It's something that's meant to be used on your tablet or on your phone or even on a computer screen at your desk. Um, it helps to standardize this production, the produce inspection process with enhanced organization and visualization capabilities um, to provide growers, packers, and shippers with rapid access to data for optimized quality decision making. So essentially what we're trying to do is we're trying to take some of the old and we'll call archaic quality control evaluation methods such as like paper-based inspections or taking pictures on your phone and uploading it to your email and then attaching notes to that and sending it off through the chain. We're trying to take some of these older methods of capturing quality and we're trying to move it to the modern age or to the digital world. So what we wanna do, this is obviously a fairly long process, I know a lot of different growers who take their measurements on a piece of paper and then from that piece of paper, they'll transfer that to an Excel file at best. And at least that proves as like a historic record of that evaluation of that certain lot or that certain variety or whatever it may be. However, more often than not, what I end up seeing is a stack of papers that are as tall as the ceiling with nothing being done to them. What we wanted to do was create an app and a platform that allowed you to very intuitively and much easier take quality inspections, upload it to a database, and then from that database, we're able to look at all the reports, we're able to trace back, we can look at present data versus historic data, and then we can even get into a lot of analytics to understand where in the supply chain, perhaps the blueberries could be doing a little bit better.
0: Jackson's presentation really emphasized what's possible with a digital platform to track quality and give everyone along the value chain the information they need to make the best decisions.
9: You know, everyone has a different ask when it comes to fresh cloud, and we think we can provide. So for the sales and marketing side of it, you know, they ask questions all the time about what is the quality and does it match expected market timing? Or better yet, how do I tie the produce quality that I got for this load into the pricing that I'm gonna to deliver to my customer? For the quality team, it's a little bit more cut and dry. They ask the kind of questions like, does this blueberry you know, meet our quality requirements to begin with, right? They ask questions about, is the firmness where it needs to be? Is the size where it needs to be? Is the color where it needs to be? From a supply chain view and from a packing and operations viewpoint, Um, They ask the kind of questions like, how is my produce doing in storage? Or what pallet do I need to send out before other pallets based on the quality that came in? And finally, for the field level, they'll take all sorts of different evaluations, whether it's color, firmness, size, you name it, to better understand when is the correct time to harvest? When do I need to be out there? And when do I need to have people on the ground?
0: Thank you to Jackson, Jeff, and Guy for being a part of our improvements in fruit quality session. There are really so many lessons to take away from the tech symposium this year, but more than anything, I just want to say how great it was to be back together as an industry, whether you were there in person or virtually, I hope you felt the connection to the exciting things that are happening in blueberries. If you missed out on this year, hopefully today's episode gave you a sample of what was covered and you'll considering joining us next time when we get together this spring. Well, that's it for episode 69. Thanks to everyone who attended our tech symposium and fall meetings, a special shout out to Mr. Rod Cook, our chair of the Innovation and Technology Committee for USHBC, and a special thank you to everyone who contributed as a speaker, sponsor, or any other capacity. If you missed out, I highly encourage you to watch the recordings, which can be found, again, at BlueberryEvents.org. We will include the links for that website in our show notes for today's episode. You will need to register if you haven't registered before. We hope you enjoy all of those presentations available to you now. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back next week with more innovation, collaboration, family, and hard work right here on The Business of Blueberries.